0: ...from the Gospel of Matthew and Luke. And I'm hoping there we are. And these are words we just used a few moments ago. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then the Gospel of Matthew, or, or Luke, rather. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, "This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me." This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, Friday night, I, I got to tell you something. I am really refreshed right now. That's refreshing water, all right? It was not painfully cold, but it was not terribly warm. It was just right. And, and I was very refreshed when I got changed in my office a few moments ago. Um, uh, th- these things are just, they're great moments. They're great moments to share with uh, families and with uh, both Grace and Eric, I got to uh, share something uh, the other night with uh, a couple of different families from our church. And some of you got to share in something as well. And it actually wasn't quite as comfortable as the, the waters of baptism this morning anyways. The, these were refreshing waters. But we didn't have waters except for the, the water of, of um, perspiration going on the other night. In our sanctuary, in spite of air conditioning, it, it got kind of warm. And uh, we had a wedding happening. And we actually had, out of, I, I think, half the guys sat down from the, the, the half the groomsmen sat down on, on more than one occasion because the heat was getting to them. Um, they, they, were, they were really into it. But it was the uh, Owen family and the Bejima family that were involved because the Owens uh, have a son, Sam, and the Bejimas have a daughter, Megan. And the two of them committed their lives together. Um, I see Bejamas right there. It was a good night, wasn't it? Yeah. And it worked. They're, they're husband and wife now. Um, we, you know, we go through some of these events and uh, we go through them in some ways, especially if we're just invited, almost without thinking. We take it, it it's just, a, a, it's something on the calendar. We want to be there and we care about the people, but we don't really reflect. We don't step out. Like, step out of the situation and look at what we're doing or thinking about, uh, think about what we're doing, but there are a whole host of activities that we as human beings uh, participate in, and they mark different things in our lives: graduations, confirmations, bar mitzvahs, and along with them, and graduations, and along with them, uh, graduation parties and birthday parties. Anniversaries have anniversary parties and anniversary celebrations. In our country, we don't just have elections, but we have inaugurations and inaugural parades and inaugural balls. And weddings, here's the truth, you can get married very, very simply. You can take care of it downtown in a governmental office. You can sign some papers and say some words, and someone can take care of it very quickly. You need some witnesses, but actually, I think anybody nearby could be grabbed to to, to sign for you and witness what you've just done. You don't even need to know the witnesses. The witnesses just need to to see and say yes to what you've done. Um, But the truth is, when we do weddings, we really do them up. Not only do we throw huge expensive parties afterwards and invite our friends to participate in that, but even the actual ceremony of the wedding has uh, certain things we just go through. We, we almost always use music. We almost always involve more people than we have to. We get dressed up in special ways. Albeit it's a, more, it's a more casual age, but still, people are somehow or another, one way or the other, looking their best. We use special words. Not just any words will do. Even if they're newer words, they're newer words that are crafted and written out and carefully thought through. And people aren't just speaking off the top of their head or even from the bottom of their heart. But they're actually using words that mean something. And maybe, just maybe, are actually very familiar to almost all the people gathered together. See, when we go through certain events in life or or, or certain happenings, we mark those events. And we make out of them a kind of ritual. I hope the word ritual isn't automatically a bad word for you, because rituals are great. Rituals can be meaningless, I guess, because you just go through the motions. But a ritual is a great thing. It's it's something that we practice to say, this event or this experience is really important. And that's not just for me. It's not just a private thing, but it's something I'm going to share with other people. And Jesus Christ gave us as his followers a couple of practices, Uh, you, you might call them rituals, that can be done in somewhat different ways, but really he gave us some hints about how to do them, and we can pay attention to how Christians through the years and through the centuries and now the millennia have done those very practices that Jesus told us about. And we mark very important realities. You might have already figured out what I'm talking about. I'm talking about things that we're doing this morning. There's one right over there, it's called baptism, and there's another right here. Baptism pretty much has one name for it, okay? This one's got a whole bunch. Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, um, but it's the same. It's a meal. Water and food. And we do these things again and again and again as Christians, and I want to spend a few moments with you this morning thinking about those things that Jesus gave to us, that we invite each other to participate in, and that actually we invite lots of other people to ultimately participate in. Because here's the thing, there is a, there's an invitation that God gives through us to all human beings everywhere, and that invitation is this, get to know me, become my child, and do it by getting to know Jesus Christ. And these practices are connected with getting to know and actually knowing Jesus Christ in your life. But what are they? Let's just think about them for a couple minutes and see you know, if we can make some sense of them. I want to um, point out one difference between the two. Okay, This one is a little bit more like being born. And this one's a little bit more like having a birthday party. This one's a little bit more like your wedding day. And this one's a little bit more like your wedding anniversary. This one, generally speaking, it's something that's done once in your life. Now, there may be some exceptions here, but the exceptions still prove the rule. Jesus never encouraged Jesus never said anything like this. As often as you get baptized... You proclaim my death until I come again. And you remember what it's all about. But Paul interpreted Jesus' words and said, As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. See, one time, and many times. And so, although they are very similar, there are also a significant difference in them as well. Hey, I just wanted to th- think with you about the scene and the situation. I, I read some words for you this morning from the Gospel of Matthew, Gospel of Luke, and that's where we find out its connection with Jesus. But I want you to see from the very beginning, for Christians, these are things that we've done. So if you go to Acts chapter 2, um, some people have called what Acts 2 describes, as the day of Pentecost, as the coming of the Holy Spirit. Some people have called it the birthday day of the church. And on that day, Jews were gathering from all over the known world. Um, they were coming together because of their common faith to participate in this special event. But they were a pretty uh, diverse group of diverse Jewish people. And you could tell by just listening to them, by listening to their accents and listening to the languages they spoke. They were not all just Galilean or Judean or Jerusalemites, but they were from all over the place. And they'd come together. Uh, Luke describes it like this. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. People who had hadn't been born into it, but had come into it in, in their um, awareness and their choice. Cretans and Arabs. And, and, and sometime later... As they were hearing what was going on, somebody got up to interpret the event for them. And his name was Peter. He was just a fisherman. Uh, He wasn't known for his public speaking until this very moment. But from this moment on, Peter was known as someone who stood up in front of others and spoke and interpreted and told stories and helped people understand what was going on and understand who his good friend Jesus was, this man who'd utterly changed his life and was still changing it because Peter was not done changing yet. So Peter told the story of Jesus and the story of what had happened in particular when he was arrested and and crucified and killed. And then uh, near the end, the reaction of the people is described like this. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And then the very next sentence, or a couple sentences later, describes this about what happened, maybe even later that day, but certainly in oncoming uh, um, days and weeks and months, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And that phrase there, the breaking of bread, Bible scholars uh, debate exactly what that means. There's people who who think it means just that the Christians liked food, Most human beings do, but Christians like food and especially valued eating together with each other, giving thanks for it, and sharing a meal with fellow believers in Jesus. And I think it's true. Don't we like to do that? Are you with me? Anybody hold out on the the food thing together? Okay, so we're there. But other scholars say, I think it means specifically the breaking of bread like Jesus broke the bread on the night when he was betrayed and interpreted it. And even if it doesn't only mean this, that's probably the heart of what it means. See, from the very beginning, from the very first day of the Christian church, it's birthday day. Christians were being baptized, people were being baptized. And people were gathering around the table and sharing this meal. It goes back to the very beginning. What does it do? Communion and baptism tell a story. They tell a story of who God is and how God meets us, and in particular, how God meets us through Jesus Christ. They tell a story of what happened when Jesus was on earth, and in particular, what happened on that weekend in Jerusalem so long ago. And they tell a story of what happens in our lives and how we get connected with what happened so long ago in Jesus Christ. A couple of things I want you to think about Uh, with these two practices. First, they all involve something physical. In one case, it's water. In the other case, it's wine, sweet wine or fermented wine, either way, and some form of bread, leavened or unleavened. Water doesn't work for communion, and we don't wade into grape juice or sprinkle Cabernet Sauvignon on, on the head of a baby. Neither do we celebrate communion with water. But we use physical things, physical things that you can touch, that you can maybe drink or eat, that you can get into, that you can feel, to be a symbol and a sign to help us experience and understand something that's invisible and spiritual. Jesus was brilliant, wasn't he? Of course he was. He was the creator, and he understood what we are. We are not just spiritual creatures. We're physical, spiritual creatures. And so when it comes to knowing the God who is the spirit who made us, he gave us things to do that are physical, that help us perceive and interact with the spiritual. Second is this. Jesus is the one who commanded us. The use of each. They weren't human inventions. And they weren't practices that Christians came up with on their own. They were direct words from Jesus. And we already read those words from Matthew chapter 28 and Luke chapter 22. Um, There are some Christians who call these practices ordinances. Some churches do that. I grew up in a church where we reference baptism and the Lord's Supper as ordinances. And and that word comes from saying, like ordained. Someone um, ordained this. Or an ordinance is like a law or or, or a policy of some kind. Uh, What it implies is that Jesus gave us instructions. And he said, I want you to do this. And so every time we celebrate baptism or celebrate communion, we're doing something Jesus told us to do. We're in touch with the practice he wanted us involved in. The third thing I want you to think about is that these are just the recognition that we as Christians have been doing this for a long time, from the very beginning. And every time we do, there's some kind of connection. We usually don't think about it, but there's some kind of connection with other believers. In a few moments, we're going to share the Lord's Supper. And do you know what will happen when we're doing that? I want you to remember that there are millions of people today maybe hundreds of millions of people today around the world who are doing the very same thing we are. They're taking bread and wine, and they are remembering and experiencing again what God did through his son Jesus in his death and resurrection. We're not alone. But I think it's even more than that. If you were to go like into an Anglican church, in the, in the liturgy for communion... Early on, there are these words that said, and now we join our voices with angels and archangels in all the company of heaven. And do you know who that includes? That when we are gathered around this table and we're singing praise to God and we are sharing in these elements, that we are actually somehow or another connected with all the believers throughout history who've gone before and have died and are in the presence of God right now. There is something very, we don't think about it too often, but I want to peel back the the, the cover for a moment. This visible sign is a visible sign of a spiritual reality that we can't perceive. That there are millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people in God's presence right now. Some of them we know. Some of them you miss. And there's a unity that we can't quite touch but we're so close when we're sharing in this. Isn't that cool? Now other Christians use a different word not ordinance but sacrament. In the Covenant Church we traditionally use the word sacrament to describe this. Sacrament is a Latin word it comes from a Latin word sacramentum. Does that sound good? And it, it, it's, it, it's, um, it's just a different word it's, it kind of comes from the military world believe it or not. And it implies that, um, yeah, I, I like to put it like this, there's more than meets the eye to what's going on in baptism and communion. It's not just what we do. Okay, we do some things. Derek Popa, you took care of this water, right? Didn't you? Yes? Okay. So so Derek knows, I mean, it, it's a process. It's hundreds of gallons of water that get filled up and heated just right. And eventually emptied it out. It's just really physical stuff. It's normal water. There's nothing magic about it. Jill Pitts, you've got a team of people who work through and serve all this stuff. And this is like real bread and real, authentic, Holy Spirit-inspired grape juice. I'm not quite as confident. Once upon a time, we would have said Holy Spirit-inspired Welch's grape juice, which came into existence for the purpose of providing liquid for communion services. I believe that's correct. But if you check this afternoon and find out I'm wrong, just keep it to yourself, okay? I don't even want to know. Because I like the idea. But uh. but what? But the word sacrament says there's a mystery here. And it's not just that Grace and Eric decided to get baptized and I did it. It is that God is at work in our gathering through the words and the water and the meaning and what's going on inside of these people. And God is marking their lives. God is at work in them. And when we take these elements, yes, uh, you, you can treat these things like they mean nothing at all and you're just going through the motions. But if you do, you're pushing away what God's Spirit desires to do in this moment, and that is that somehow or another, in the tangible bread and cup, as it enters your mouth, as you touch it with your hand, you are getting that much closer to experiencing Jesus' presence. Remember, Jesus was and is physical. He's real. He's not a myth. I tease people sometimes about... Video games and all the rest. You're, pre- you're playing a fake game. It's just, a, it's, it's, it's not really happening. I know. Does that sound like a dad who thinks it's all, doesn't make sense? <laughs> um, what I want you to know that is, is there's nothing fake about this at all because there's nothing fake about Jesus. And this is a, a, a remembrance and an experience of, of who he is and what he does. And in just a moment, we're about to do this again. Some of you stepped up to that water before. If you didn't, I invite you to think about doing it as you're moving around for communion. If you're up for communion and you already did it and you think, you know what, I want to touch that water again, go ahead. Uh, Martin Luther one time said to believers, he said, I want you to remember your baptism. I want you to remember who you are. And by remembering your baptism, it's not that baptism's magic. Guess what? There are literally millions of people who've been baptized in history, hundreds of millions, undoubtedly, who don't really know Jesus. The truth is that if you don't ultimately say yes to what happened to you or what's happened to you in a moment, if you don't have faith in Christ, then for you, it ends up just being water. Or just being bread and juice. But if you have faith, faith to see there's more than meets the eye, then there's something to remember. There's something objective and outside of you. Any of you have doubts ever? I'm not asking for hands particularly. I want you to think. Anybody have doubts? Anybody have struggles? Anybody ever wondered, God, do you even really care? Do you even really exist? I don't get Jesus is so long ago. He asks these questions, or you wonder if anything, any change is happening or if there's any point to it? You have, you have different kinds of struggles, and they're deep inside. Martin Luther struggled with depression. He struggled with anxiety. He struggled with doubt. And what he would do again and again was he would remember his baptism. And he'd say to himself, he'd say out loud sometimes, if he sensed that the devil was nearby, he'd say, I am baptized. Not I was baptized, but I am baptized. almost like to say, don't mess with me. I'm not my own, and I'm definitely not yours. I've been struggling right now, and I've, I've had my questions, but devil, keep your distance. Because I'm baptized. I am God's. Second thing I want you to think about is participate. When there's a baptism going on, don't just sit back like you're uninvolved, like it's something I'm doing and the people getting baptized are doing. But you are a part of the community they're being baptized into. Lean into it. In that very moment, remember your baptism. In that very moment, think about what it means to have your sins washed away by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. In that very moment, whisper your own prayer for Eric and your own prayer for grace that God would keep this moment of significance in their lives in an ongoing way. And when you come in a moment and you receive the bread and the cup, whisper those words to Jesus yourself. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Don't just go through the motions. Jesus gave these things to us for a reason. Because we're weak, and we leak, and we forget, and we get off kilter, and there's so much visible around us that grabs our attention all the time. But God says, I want you to hesitate and slow down around the water and the bread and the cup. Last week, we read a psalm together, Psalm 32, and I didn't talk about three words. Actually, there's one word used three times in that psalm. Remember what it was? Can you make a guess? Sila. 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 Don't you love that word? It's a beautiful word. We don't, we're not entirely sure exactly what it means, but we have a pretty good idea. It at least means this. Stop. Slow up for a minute. Think about what I've just written. Think about what you've just said. Spend a moment here. We're all good at rushing on to the next thing. Some of you are already thinking about what comes next today. I got one thing on my side right now. It wasn't looking quite as awesome outside yet, right? Right? Okay, but I know if it was beautiful and stunning and all the rest of you, you knew what you were going to do and you're going to be on the water later today, I know that the propensity is to rush on. But, Selah, linger, think, speak, receive. God will meet you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for these gifts and these commands that you gave us long ago. They're ordinances and we seek to obey them. But we do that because they're sacraments and mysteries. And you reveal yourself to us in them. They tell us the story of your life and our life. Of your death and resurrection and our being united with you in them. They tell the story and invite us to participate in your body and blood. As we receive these elements in just a moment. Lord, help us to strengthen our life with you by valuing and taking seriously the gifts of the sacraments. And guide us in these next moments together. In Jesus' name,